2: Welcome to the Motor Mouth Podcast with Harry Benjamin and Tim Sylvie. This is the place where we meet some of the biggest names in and around motorsport, chat about their lives and everything in between. We've partnered with the Brain Chimber Charity, helping to raise awareness and help find a cure. Thanks to our partnership, we've been able to create a short series of special podcasts uncovering those within the motorsport community who have been affected by those devastating diagnoses. You can hear those stories and more, including the Williams F1 team's planning director, Richard Jones, right now on your chosen podcast player. The charity work all year round to help develop research and raise awareness. And if you're looking to challenge yourself this new year, why not sign up to the Brain Tumor Charity's Brain Power Challenge? Simply choose a challenge that will boost your brain health, from meditation to 10K runs to mega Sudoku, and set your challenge to either silver, gold or platinum difficulty level. Every penny you raise will be spent on the charity's medical research. £250 covers the cost of one day of world-class medical research into kinder and better treatments for brain tumours, which really does make a difference. Follow the Brain Tumour Charity on social media to learn more and to sign up. Boost your brain today to boost other brains tomorrow, because a cure can't wait. This podcast is brought to you by F1 Experiences, the official experience, hospitality and travel program of Formula One. F1 Experiences is the closest you can get to the pinnacle of motorsport. And let's face it, any chance to get close to Formula One this year, we're all over it. Enjoy the very best race tickets and track hospitality, first class hotels and unprecedented access you simply cannot get anywhere else. For more information on how you can book your F1 experience, visit f1experiences.com where you can also save 5% on your very own F1 experiences package by using the code motormouth when checking out online. So what are you waiting for? Experience the 2022 F1 season firsthand with exclusive access courtesy of F1 experiences. Get booking today at f1experiences.com.
3: Hello, my name's Tim Sylvie, and today we're joined by a woman who hails from Kent. And did you know, Harry Benjamin, that Kent's very own Herne Bay is home to an amazing first? The world's oldest horse fossil was found at Stud Hill, Herne Bay, Herne Bay in 1838, and has recently been dated as 54 million years old, giving Herne Bay the special privilege of being
2: considered the official birth, birthplace of the horse. No way. Yeah, fact. Wow. I've actually got a fact to throw back at you about Ken. Come on. So I spent quite a bit of time in a place called Whitstable. I, l- I know it well. And apparently off the coast there or well, I don't know if it's off the coast Whitstable but you can see it from there, there's a sunken World War 2 boat. Yes, which still has um lots of dynamite on board. But so and it's like a it's sealed off. No one can go anywhere near it because even though it's been you know, it's so long. They still think that it could go off. That's so And cool. if it goes off, it would take off the whole of the south There's coast. There's also that fort That's fun. thing that you can see from the Whitstable coast.
3: Oh. Um, like these these structures on the stilts.
2: Oh, yes. Yeah, they were World yeah. War
3: look up points, weren't they? Yeah. yeah, super cool. Fascinating, isn't it? Um, well, seeing as you know so much about oh, Kent, no. can you tell me which Prime Minister of Great Britain lived at Chartwell
2: in Kent? Um... Clement Attlee. Who? I don't know. He was He was a Prime Minister. Before Churchill, <laughs> was he? Yeah. Well, it was Churchill. It was Churchill. It was oh, Churchill. Okay. So Winston Churchill
3: bought Chartwell <laughs> in 1922 and lived there until his death in 1965. And one of the things that Churchill used to do to relax was build brick walls in his garden and apparently became quite the bricklayer. So there you go. Oh, fascinating. Now, Always. Um, do you want to
2: paint the picture of where we are? Yes. Yeah, so uh, it's a special podcast today because we're actually back in live in person for the first time in about yeah. a year and uh, we're actually at Carro Road, home of uh, Norwich Football Club, thanks to Lotus Cars, uh, who have invited us down here to uh, watch the game with them and also uh, given us a lovely room with a beautiful view over the pitch, right pitch side as well, um, pre-game to record our podcast. So uh, thank you very much to yes. Lotus Cars for that opportunity um, and it's just nice to be back in person really, isn't it? It? Is, it is. Although I
3: did see you in person the other day. We were, but we didn't have mics in front of us. No, and we were drunk were well, well yeah
2: yeah we were Barry you more than me but yeah.
3: we, we were at the race awards and uh, it was free alcohol and we got smashed yep yeah, yep. good times. Right, anyway, enough of our ramblings. Shall we introduce today's guest? I think so. Let's do it. Today, we're joined by the lovely Rosanna Tennant. Rosanna is a TV presenter, live event host, and broadcaster. She's worked across the F1 live pre-race show, F1 weekend debrief on Sky Sports F1, the F1 pit lane channel. She's the first woman to call an F1 star, F1 race star, and she can often be found providing insights in the F1 and F2 pit lane. She's worked with many global brands in the form of Rolex, Shell, Hugo Boss, Jaguar Land Rover, and Mercedes-Benz, and has interviewed many of the biggest names in our beloved sport. Top it all off with some radio and podcasting work and even some tennis. There's plenty to talk about. Rosanna Tennant, welcome to this very amazing location for the Motormouth podcast.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And yeah, you're right. What a location. What a view. The sun is streaming into the pitch here at Carrow Road. Norwich is the place to be this afternoon, so I have heard. It
2: really is. And actually, well, news on your side, you're a local now.
1: I know. It's been a big winter break for me. Uh, Since the chequered flag flew in Abu Dhabi, it's been quite busy. Obviously, normally the holiday season kicks in and we have a bit of time off. Not so for me. No, no, no. I decided to leave London, move to Norwich, um, and I am finding my feet and finding my way around this new beautiful county, Norfolk, and I have to say, Norwich is coming up with the goods. I'm enjoying it a lot. And I couldn't believe it when you guys said you were going to be here this weekend. I know. It all just sort of made perfect sense. The stars
2: really aligned. The stars did align. Yeah. And actually, I, so I spent um, three years in Norwich. I was here for university. So yeah, you were. it's, uh, it's uh, I, I only came here once in that whole time. And it wasn't even to watch football games. So.
1: What did you come here for? Yeah. What were you doing?
2: Uh, it, was, um, it was a student radio, like, social, and they bo- it was like the Christmas um, social, whatever, and they booked Delia's restaurant.
1: Oh, so you were actually allowed here. I was wondering if you, like, crept in. Oh, no,
2: no, we were actually allowed <laughs> here. We'd, we'd, oh, we paid to be here. Social but, uh, got out of hand, yeah, and you no. found yourself
1: on the pitch. But it
2: was a very nice place. And then, again, you had this beautiful view of the pitch, which is kept immaculately, you have to say, isn't it? And no it's no surprise, either. Um, but it is fascinating. I'm sure we'll come on to more Norwich chat soon. But let's take it back to the start, Roseanne, actually. It's what yeah. we like to do. Set the scene for us. Um, early days, what what was on the cards for you? Did you have a sort of sporty kind of family? What made you want to go down this sort of, not just motorsport, but broadcasting and sports route?
1: We are going a long way back. Perhaps not quite as far back as that horse fossil discovered in Hearn Bay, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> almost. I feel quite old at 34. Um, no, not a sporty family as such. I mean, my grandparents sort of were sporty. My grandfather played cricket. Um, my father was a rower, but nothing you know nothing of a sort of olympic level or anything like that so it wasn't written in the stars that i would head into sport um but I did know I wanted to be a newsreader. That's what I used to say to people when they asked me, you know, parents, friends, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I sort of trotted off this, I'd like to be a newsreader. I always thought it'd be super cool on Christmas Day to be the one when people turned on the telly after a big lunch on Christmas Day, just to read the headlines to them, be that person that they could kind of go to and get the lowdown from. Don't know why. That was always my little little thing that I was after. And newsreading, it sort of on the back burner a little bit because other opportunities have presented themselves. But that's why I sort of headed towards broadcast journalism. And why did the
3: motorsport part come into it? Because that's where we know you from, obviously. Um, Was it always a passion? Has it always been something you've been into?
1: (sighs) This is where I become a little bit of a pretender. So in 2011, I was with Sky for some work experience and I was in the Sky News Sport bit, not Sky Sports. Uh, And while I was on the sports desk, one of their producers sort of turned around and it was very much a sort of line of sight appointment. They were like, um, Rosanna, uh, you can go with John Desborough to the shoot on Park Lane at the Hilton with Jensen Button and McLaren and, and just shadow shadow John. See what he does, because it'd be nice for you to get out of the office and, and you know, see what really happens out in the field. And uh, I was like, OK, fabulous. Oh, my gosh, thank you so much. Um, and actually, I sort of thought, oh, my brother would have loved that more. Like, he's really into F1 and actually my brother is actually still working in Formula One, and he's younger than me, so that's an- another story. But um, I remember going along to the day thinking, oh, this is this is fun, why not? And I watched what John D- Desborough did, and still all the time thinking I'd like to be a newsreader. But when I saw what he was up to, you know, he was interviewing Jensen, uh, um, Sir Sterling Moss was there, he interviewed him, he changed attire, he was doing pieces to camera, and I thought, actually, this is quite fun. So maybe presenting more than just perhaps being in a studio doing the newsreading. And as chance would have it, one of the guys who'd organised um, the day for McLaren and for Hilton um, was a guy called Stuart Dyble, and actually um, is very much linked with why we're here, I think, at, um, at the football ground here in, in Norwich at High Road. Um, and he got me into work with his agency um, influence and from there just sort of kept my foot in the sort of motorsport world because they specialised in Formula 1 sailing and cycling. But it could have been any any of those sports. And, yeah, the, the backstory there, obviously, I didn't carry on working with Sky because the work experience came yeah. to an end, like all good work experiences <laughs> do. <laughs> Eventually
2: they do. Well, so, so one of the things, I think one of the first things I said to you when I first met you and, and have had the pleasure of working with you as well the last year yeah. was um, I used to be a big fan of Pole Position, oh, YouTube yes. channel. Yes. So, so and I think a lot of people will, will remember that. And, and it was one of the first sort of... Um, media outlets outside of the stereotypical formula one broadcasting circles that actually provided a bit of fun a bit of entertainment and a bit of behind the scenes so can you talk us through you know how that came about and what that experience was like because it must have been a lot of fun
1: behind the scenes because we had no rights to be at the track so it was always outside the circuit confines um, you know <laughs> trying to find an angle of, of being able to shoot something somewhere with someone um, that was amazing pole position was an incredible opportunity for me so once I'd started working with influence um, I spent a bit of time with them then went off and did some other work for actually Oliver Sweeney the shoe company oh. uh, you might know it you might wear some of the shoes guys
2: yeah, um, hang on would they fit I mean uh, they will not oh, fit my feet oh no. do they not have you not seen what these size 16
1: Oh, yeah you need to get a different last I think made for that yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. oh well next time
1: sad <laughs> times but I feel your pain as, as a girl with size 10 feet wow. you can see and, and the irony being I always vowed I would never work in either clothing or shoes really because I was like well what freebies am I ever going to get that yeah, are going to fit me yeah. and there I was working for a men's shoe shop and I was like I'm just not <laughs> sure I can rock the brogues how, but anyway how tall are you Rosanna I'm 6'2'' Good yeah. God. You're
3: 6'5". I'm 6'5", yes. Uh, you're 6'2". I feel short at six one. This is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't
2: worry. Oh.
1: Don't worry, we're all sitting down, so it doesn't make a difference yeah, right no, now. no. Sh- I'm actually
2: the shortest sat down, because I'm all leg. <laughs> I'm not tall, so I'm all leg. <laughs> I'm all just, leg. I'm all leg. That's where my height comes
1: from. And then the, there's the promo clip for this yeah. podcast. <laughs> I'm all leg. <laughs> I'm Fit just not going to say it. Short 16
2: point. minutes in. Like, <laughs> oh,
1: dear. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I then went, went off to work for Oliver Sweeney, and while I was there... Influence got the the gig to run this channel called Pole Position and they called me back and they said, look, we've been given some money to invest in this new channel. Um, Google and YouTube were sort of really getting behind some original programming. And one of the topics obviously was motorsports. So they're like, right, let's go for it. And it was really exciting because as you say, it was a kind of first foray really with um, a lot of digital YouTube kind of content. And I almost think we were a bit ahead of the curve. I think obviously YouTube knew what was coming, but not many other brands did so you would go to brands or you'd go to the f1 teams you'd be like oh hi i'm rosanna from pole position i'd really love to do an interview with lewis hamilton and be like how many views and it wasn't quite big enough to kind of sell it in and get the opportunities and i think if we'd maybe launched it a few years later perhaps it would have uh, gone bigger and better i think we've got 130,000 subscribers right but i think we probably hoped for more yeah. but i think it was just difficult it was a bit chicken and egg because you couldn't prove how many views you are going to get. You, you weren't kind of tried and tested. So it was a great learning curve, though. And it got me into Formula One. And, and also we covered Rally and MotoGP and NASCAR and endurance racing. It was just, for me, it was fabulous. Because going back to the question about the passion for motorsport, it wasn't there necessarily. And so being exposed to all these different motorsports kind of then... Got it into me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it is
3: it still around? Did you pass it on? Is it
1: still It's going? still there. If anyone'd like to buy the channel, please do get in touch. Yeah. <laughs> it's still on YouTube. <laughs> it's a it? ready-made yeah. subscriber base for you. Um, yeah, no, it is there, and I think hopefully there's content on there. We call it evergreen content. Yeah. You know, it comes around each year, and you know that that video will still be relevant. Or yeah. there's there's quizzes with drivers and current drivers, drivers who've left the grid now in Formula One. But it's just some fun content. And as you say, kind of behind the scenes, We would, I think we did Boobs or Bums was one of oh, our yeah. quizzes. You know what, well, 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 there yeah. are
2: still clips that yeah. pop up now across oh, Pole Position on TikTok. Are there? People are clipping them up and putting them on TikTok. See, and they get on thousands TikTok, so I don't know about this. Well, I think you should, oh. there's, a, there's a copyright thing there going on,
1: I think. <laughs> some royalties, finally. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> TikTok
3: takes over your life. Like, yeah. I, I am fully addicted. If I put, start scrolling through TikTok at like 11 o'clock at night, that's me done till about 3 a.m.
1: It's a why feed, is it? Feed the it's algorithm. just addictive. why is it that the time passes quicker when you're on social media like say you start at like 11 o'clock you look at your phone like oh my gosh half an hour's gone past whereas in the normal world time just goes very normally and then suddenly you're like oh I should have done so many things for that last half hour and instead you've just been sort of aimlessly scrolling through and probably comparing yourself to other people and what yeah, they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are positives, but sometimes it's just a sinkhole, isn't it, of just time. No, scary, 100%. Scary. Um, let's talk about
3: Girls on Track UK. You're an ambassador. Yes. You're a very busy lady. Do you get time to invest in this sort of thing and, and what are you doing for them?
1: It's tricky to try and fit it in, I have to say, um, but there are lots of days during the year where Girls on Track UK are proactively going out into the community and trying to engage with young girls and trying to get them into motorsport or some sort of area of STEM obviously um, it's very important obviously engineering and technology and science it sort of seems to have been traditionally a bit more of a male uh, environment yeah. and, and sort of job environment so yes we try and get out there and, and spread the word that actually motorsport and engineering is for everyone it's not just for the boys um, and the Girls on Track UK Uh, Initiative stemmed from Dare to be Different with Susie Wolfe. And so Dare to be Different is what I got involved with originally. And um, I loved that. I love the Dare to be Different slogan because I thought, you know, you mentioned I'm six foot two. That's pretty different for a girl. That's not normal. Um, And, you know, going after a dream, that can be daring to be different. So there's lots of ways that that phrase can apply to people. So that's what hooked me in to start with. It's now moved into being Girls on Track UK. And the aim is just to kind of try things outside your comfort zone, really. A lot of the girls arrive... Um, to take part in these days feeling a bit nervous I've had not in a mean way but I've had some girls crying I haven't made them cry but the whole environment scares them they don't feel comfortable I'm, I'm in charge of the media workshop during the day and some of them don't want to stand up in front of their friends they mm. don't want to say anything out loud um, and we get through it throughout the day they try different things whether it's the media workshop with me or whether it's maybe carting we're sometimes at cart tracks or learning CPR or trying to do an engineering challenge we just sort of say to them give it a go if you hate it doesn't matter if you're really good at it maybe you think oh I'll try that again next time or they go back to school or to their class and they just feel a bit more confident in class assembly or just applying themselves to things um, at school and yeah I think we're all we're all better having tried something outside our comfort zone just kind of pushes us to expand our horizons a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And it
2: comes back to that that saying, isn't it? If you can't see it, you can't be it, can you? And I think that's, that's something somebody like you is what you're absolutely categorically doing because you're very prevalent in the world of Formula 1, the pinnacle of motorsport, on camera, behind the mic as well. Have you seen it change since you first started in terms of how how views are towards being a woman in the paddock or being on commentary because obviously you know you're the only woman at the moment who who's a lead Formula One commentator
1: I know it's terrifying (laughs) (laughs) I have to say I did I got a bit nervous about it um at the beginning of last year I never wanted to be a commentator it was an opportunity that kind of came about because my fantastic friend Alex Jakes moved on to Channel 4 and as much as I was so supportive of him doing that I was a bit like oh my gosh, you've left this gaping hole. And I've been told to, in inverted commas, fill it. I will sit in your seat, but I mm-hmm. won't be able to be as good as Alex Jakes. And there was that element. And then there was the element of, as you say, first woman to call a race start. I don't, you'll probably see me later on watching the football here. I'm not going to be jumping around and shouting and screaming at the ref or like asking why a player's done X, y, Z. I like watching it. I appreciate it. I take it in. So to then be a commentator I was like oh god I'm going to sound like I'm acting because I'm going to be shouting when I wouldn't normally shout or I'm going to be getting overly hyped and I think if you take that on a little bit more as a woman inevitably I'm, I've got a higher range in my voice and sometimes those upper echelons and like upper octaves don't sound too nice I can I think I probably sound a bit screechy. so all of that was going on when I took on the role of the commentator And I think slowly after a few races, I started to feel a bit more confident, started to kind of know what I did sound like and how I wanted to approach it. Um, But in the first few races, it was almost like out of body. I was so aware of what I was saying. I was almost talking in just phrases and phrases Mm. I'd heard people say, not necessarily phrases that Rosanna Tennant would say. And then, then you just sound a bit like you're, trying to like mimic someone so yeah it was uh, it was tough but it's good to do it and, and you say about seeing and you know is believing and if you are imagining it you want to be able to see it people like Jamie Chadwick come to the girls on track UK days and I love those moments because it's very easy for me to stand there as a broadcaster and talk to the girls and say yes and, and you don't have to just be a commentator you know there are there are drivers out there that are women as well if they don't see it they might just think Rosanna's just making it up mm. trying to make it sound like it's possible but when Jamie arrives you're like and here she is yeah. W Series champion and um, I think that really resonates with the girls that they can actually see a female driver who has just walked off the track or yeah. won a race and been like here I am you could be me
3: yeah 100% and, and Jamie's been an inspiration to loads of girls mm. um, and she she's, obviously I
1: love her she's so cool she's brilliant so cool <laughs> yeah
3: did I tell you I used to manage her oh <laughs> god here we go I did yeah. not know that yeah I, did. yeah I managed her for three years so I, I, I I, I managed her from when she she was in British GTs and we were. I remember having a conversation with her at Crown Talent and media group where I was um, consulting at the time and we were sat with her. There was me, Tom Gaymore. I think Tom was there at the time. Oh, well,
1: he commentates with us as well yeah. on F1Line.
3: And, uh, and um, Andy and Rowan from Sobox PR and a few others and we were sat there going, what do we do next with you? And it was either stay in GTs and do another year with poor hollywood or beach dean or whatever she was doing at the time um or go into f3 or F, f4 or f3 and she didn't really want to go into single seaters because it was so different and she did a few tests and she was really struggling because it was you know there's no power steering it's hard work and um and, and eventually she did it and after she had a few offs found the limit and all of a sudden she just got it and it was like right this is this is what she's going to do she's going to do um f3 and then, and obviously, W Series, where she's dominated, really. Yeah. Let's talk quickly about W Series. We had an interesting podcast with Sophia Flush. Um, it's recently. a beautiful-sounding name. I if you, like if
1: you can say it correctly, yeah. it's a beautiful-sounding name. I'm probably I not struggled. doing it. We, we, we did have to clarify a it before we sounds.
2: started. To, uh,
1: and then it's I, then I mean. spelt
3: it wrong when I released the podcast. <laughs> I, <just felt laughs> I had to go back and redo everything.
2: A quick interruption to the show to remind you to check out our sponsor, F1 Experiences. F1 Experiences offer a wide range of packages that come direct from Formula 1, giving you a unique experience of the pinnacle of motorsport. Official ticket packages come with the very best race tickets, first-class hotels and transfers, and unprecedented access, including track tours, pit lane walks, VIP hospitality, and loads more. It really is the closest you can get to Formula 1. And thanks to F1 experiences you can return to the track this year and Motormouth listeners can save 5% on your next F1 experience package by using the code Motormouth when booking online at f1experiences.com
3: But um we had a, a an interesting chat with her and she's very vocal about certain things and actually she was really lovely i have to say that you know she gets a little bit of a bad press from certain causes but I thought she was really really nice but she's very opinionated on uh, W Series and actually doesn't see it as a benefit and she's one of the few people we've come across who have actually said that most people seem to really like it what's your take on it presumably you think it's a good thing and more bums on seats will eventually bring out future F1 world champions
1: look I can see both sides of the arguments I think the the women who make it onto the F1 grid and I say that kind of with certainty that it will happen at some point I'm not going to say when because I think that would be foolish but if you make it, you want to have beaten everyone. You don't want to have just beaten 50% of the population. So I totally get the argument that actually you want to be proven as a as an F1 driver because you've, you've wiped the floor. I, on the other hand, also believe that more racing series is a good thing. I think um, more to watch for us as fans, more opportunities for drivers. And if that's you know, they, they need to be constantly racing. They need to be keeping their racecraft craft um, alive and well, as it were. So I see both sides. I hope it's, you know, a beneficial oh. thing. Oh, hello, we're getting closer to the, the, the oh. kickoff.
2: Oh. The announcer's <laughs> speaking. Does he know we're recording a podcast? For God's sake, <laughs> this is very important. <laughs>
1: I am so excited to be at the football ground. Oh, That's amazing. It's my second ever Formula, uh, Formula One oh, football there match. Go. There we go. It so, is yeah, slip of the top. Damn it. <laughs> 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 probably my second uh, Formula One race. No, um, No, my second ever football match, and I'm very excited to watch. <laughs> um, but I must focus on the podcast. Sorry, <laughs> getting distracted. Um, but yeah, I think there are two ways of looking at it. I'm I prefer to focus on the positives which is of course yeah as you say more bums on seats both in the cockpit but also um hopefully in the the grandstands as well i think the fact that it's an undercard now for formula one i think it's fabulous um but i get why some drivers might want to prove themselves in a mixed gender grid and i i totally get that too
3: what do you make of the recent news on caitlin jenner so i've got two I'm really torn on this I'm totally 50 50 because part of me thinks Caitlyn Jenner had her time in motorsport and is a credible uh, individual you know has a background in racing great and then part of me thinks it just cheapens it a little bit somehow because she not not because of anything she is but because of some of the TV work she's done it's she can be perceived in a certain way what's your take on it do you think it's a good thing for the sport?
1: In a way, it shines a spotlight on it, isn't it? It's free advertising, in a way. exactly. And it's a big name. I think most people will know who you mean when you say Caitlyn Jenner. I think you're right. There's a um, gravitas because there is a
0: history. Life is full of what ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry?
1: If it was someone who hadn't had history in motor racing, it would still be cool. I think it's I think it's just great that there is interest, that people want to be investing in the sport, that the W Series obviously is going to be around for quite a while. If people are going to be uh, interested in it now and bringing in new teams, setting up new teams as she is, it can only be a good thing. I just hope people focus on the good that she's trying to do she's trying to encourage people to get into racing um to try and bring more people in I think that has to be applauded and yeah I hope that everybody keeps the the coverage you know savory yeah
2: I think that that's what you've got to focus on is and actually you say it's not just opportunities for for women and, and girls racing and young racers, but it is also you know you forget it provides loads of opportunities now for, for mechanics and engineers and people yeah. in managerial roles and the teams and to give them a start and to, and to be under the lights of Formula One you know because what a great thing to add to your CV right there for for anybody working yeah. who wants to climb the ranks in motorsport um now Obviously, Formula 1 is the main topic. Um, and uh, F1 TV is a big part of your life, naturally. It is, yes. and And since, you know, the digital part of it has been growing for the last, you know, five or six years, hasn't it? And then you've done lead commentary and pit reporting for Formula 1, Formula 2. Is there...
1: You make me feel tired, Harry, when you Sorry. say this. And I'm in my winter break and I'm just relaxing. <laughs> and then and if, we look suddenly... at, if we look
2: at the 23 race calendar <laughs> and then... <laughs> um, oh, my God. But it, has there been a, a particular... I know that's a horrible question, but is there a highlight? Is there something you just absolutely have loved and you think back to and go, God, that was amazing. I've got the chance to do that.
1: Do you know what? it's weird? I, I look back, but with my sort of 85-year-old glasses on, trying to think of what will I be happy and proud of when I'm sitting in my little armchair and, you know, probably being spoon-fed because I've lost my marbles. <laughs> but I I always think a story to tell the grandchildren will be and do you know Sir Lewis Hamilton? And hopefully they'll be like, yes, Granny, we do. Well, he drove me around the circuit in Sepang, yeah, ahead of the Malaysian right. Grand Prix, and I did an interview. And I think it was because I was still fairly fresh. It was 2016. And I think it was 16 or 17. I'm not sure. Um, so it was it was an amazing opportunity, and I think that's something that I'm not necessarily proud of, but it was a real moment of like, whoa, this is great. This is great. Um, so I loved that. And you know what? Just in general, like... What a privilege it is to work in the sport. And to the 17-year-old me, I always wanted to work on Wish You Were Here. And maybe some of your listeners won't remember that. But a sort of holiday program hosted by, um, sadly, the very lovely and late Jill Dando. And I remember thinking... (laughs) gosh, that would be amazing to travel around the world, but broadcasting and seeing incredible places. And essentially, Formula One has given me that as well. So I've been so lucky to work in the sport. So there have been so many highlights and just the general opportunity itself has been a highlight of my life, really.
3: Do do you find um, Lewis intimidating? And I know you know him quite well. You've worked with him quite a lot. But if you go back to when you first started working with him, and and actually the first time I met him was with you. I don't know if you remember, I came and did some filming. I think it was with Epsom. um, Printers. At Brackley, at the Printers, Yeah. And we have Valtteri and Lewis there. And it was the first time I met Lewis. And I I capitulated. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I don't know what, to, where to look, what to say. Do I shake his hand? He looked, like, deep into my soul. I was like...
1: <laughs> what did oh you find, shit. Tim? It was, it was dark, dark. <laughs> Tim's never been the same since. <laughs> no, it was
3: just like, whoa. I felt into, I felt his presence. Did, 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 did you get that? And do you still get that?
1: I think at the beginning... Um... I was worried that (laughs) I'm not going to say we're friends or he likes me or anything like that. But if he didn't warm to me, that might not work. As in maybe some of the work I do with the Mercedes team in Formula One, that might not be ideal. (laughs) Because when you're trying to put a microphone in his face and he doesn't want you anywhere near him, that wouldn't work so well for for my job. Um, So I think I was thinking, gosh, I hope he just doesn't take some sort of like terrible dislike to me just from the off. That would be awful. Um, and so then again a bit like that sort of out of body experience you're sort of then very aware of how you're behaving mm. what you're saying are you shaking his hand you know pre-COVID you know, would you shake hands and gosh would you actually kiss him hello and oh gosh I, I don't make, want to make him feel awkward and I don't want to seem too over familiar and these drivers are not our friends we have to remember they have their own lives they're purely rocking out to do their job and we happen to work in the same circle like as in Paddock um, and Yes, you can become quite aware of how you are behaving with some of these global superstars. And I I truly believe he is a global superstar. He has transcended. He's out of the sport um, in terms of, you know, where he like takes the sport to. And yes, it is quite overwhelming. But I think you also have to try and remember, he probably craves the normality of a, uh, hey, Lewis, how are you? You're right. How was your weekend? And sometimes I feel like I'm prying by asking the sort of normal questions I would ask a friend if I was catching up and hadn't seen him for a couple of weeks. And sometimes after a race, you still think he won or he lost do you just avoid it do you say well done do you, and then do you sound like you're sucking up to him like well done you did so well at the weekend I thought that overtake was so great oh, you like what you, am yeah. I saying a bit patronising yeah and then, if you, and then if he's lost you sort of gosh bad luck yeah that was really tough on you like how much do you say and yeah. do you reference it so yes there's a balance and like I say they're not our friends these drivers I, I'm definitely not friends with them um but he, I get what you mean. There is a presence. That is why yeah, he there, is definitely. as good as he is. And sometimes, you know, people around him as well, security can make it seem even more scary and, and a bit more intimidating. But I think, sounds cliche, but he is just a normal guy. And I think he probably craves that that normality that we all have the privilege of still having um, without, you know, being tapped on the shoulder for a photo or an autograph or whatever the whole time. Yeah, he
2: can't just walk down the road and, and not get recognised. I mean, yeah. you know, even if you don't know really about Formula One or motorsport, the name Lewis Hamilton is gonna ring a bell, at yeah. least, you know, exactly. Similar with Valentino Rossi, isn't it? In MotoGP, GP, you know, someone who's transcended that sport. Absolutely. Um but when it comes to to the work to working and, and obviously weekend work, how do you prepare? What goes into I'm just I'm just being nosy now. How do you prepare? You're looking, I'm, still, I'm still trying to work it out. No, well, <laughs> I feel like it's like revising.
1: Yeah, it is yeah. exactly that. And actually, um I was talking to someone the other day about um just the world that we work in and I I did a masters but I'm not going to go and do a PhD or continue academia so in a way I feel like Formula 1 allows me to continue learning and almost be tested as well Everything is changing. I mean, this year, we've got the new rules and regulations. 2022 is going to be a sort of landmark moment, um, the season is. And so there's lots to learn and each weekend there's stuff to learn because, you know, new race director notes come out and someone says, oh, actually, they've put on this front wing and you're learning, well, why have they done that? And you're constantly absorbing information. So, that's one of the key things about preparing, like absorbing the information, making sure you're across everything, um, keeping an eye on you know, Twitter and Facebook. And that's been the beauty in the last few years because the driver's put so much on there. And when you're having to interview them across a race weekend several times, not only can they look at you like you're going a little bit la-la because you're asking them the same question, but for a different you know, for outlet. So maybe for F1 TV, you've got a quick interview, but then you're quickly doing a grab for, for post production. And so you're sort of asking the same thing. But if you've got Instagram, sometimes you can look and they might have just put up you know running before a race today really frees my mind so when I'm doing driver's prayer I'm like so you were out running this morning you know did that help you with your preparation thank goodness you put that up there because it's given me another sort of avenue to explore um so yes always across the social media obviously reading articles online um I'm bad at I have to admit reading sort of um, biographies and autobiographies and things so i probably need to get a bit better at that just because i think that gives you a few more like nuggets of information and obviously not necessarily the current f1 grid but the sort of yesteryear drivers and so when people reference things sometimes i'm like oh yeah i know that overtake quickly go to the internet or like quickly look up what they're referring to um so yes try to just have as much information uh, readily available and with commentary i think maybe you felt this harry you kind of have to have if there's a red flag you have to think right now to the archive drawer of my brain let's explore some other topics so lots on standby in terms of for commentary it's actually a bit easier because you i have my laptop in the commentary booth um Commentary meeting room. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you
2: said it. You said it. You said it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, it's only because we have a window in the commentary box that we were in last year. And you, suddenly, we have wonderful cleaners at Biggin Hill to obviously keep it all COVID secure. Suddenly, you're like mid calling of a race start, and you suddenly got this man with like little, <laughs> little cloth wiping, like wax on, wax off on the window. And you're like, all right, mate, cool, good. Uh, back to it. Thumbs up, let's go again. Um, so, yes, commentary uh, meeting room booth. Uh, and so, I've got my laptop there. So if something happens, while the other commentators talking, you can quickly do a little Google search to double check a figure or laps led or whatever it is. And wonderful um, Sean Kelly is stats man. So he sends you all of those before the race weekend, which I had no idea. I think maybe not even at the beginning of the season. So I was doing all my stat work without the Snapman email. So now I have that, so it's much easier. Um, But when we're on the ground, it's a different story because I can't carry around a laptop. Sometimes there's no Wi-Fi in the paddock. Sometimes data is six pounds a megabyte. There are a lot of things at play when you're abroad. So trying to commit it to memory as well is quite important. (laughs) Um, And yeah, just trying to to be interested in everyone and everything because you just never know. Not that I'm like using people for their conversations, but just chattering and keeping, you know, in, in a way that's preparation in itself because you might have a chat with someone over breakfast and they go but by the way do you know so and is coming today on the grid oh amazing i didn't realize and, and you're just kind of gathering facts all the time but i think maybe that's just a little journalistic thing but yeah
2: no i, I think any it. like even chatting to people like you know alex brundle or jordan king who are there mm. giving their expert commentary they automatically already know more than you because they race cars oh yes <laughs> so even just one conversation with them and suddenly go oh and they say something that's off the cuff for them but you go oh oh actually that's quite i might drop that down that's yeah. quite good to know, you know absolutely and it just broadens your understanding in in two minutes so
1: it's so useful having them in the box I do I love I, I essentially leaning on them and that's I was talking to someone about this the other day that you can get a bit panicked in the old days I used to do a lot of presenting alone and so I was almost kind of like throwing up a question with one side of my brain and trying to answer it the other and sort of trying to pretend to be everything sort of presenter driver everything I'm not a driver and therefore you've got to kind of remember that I'm not a driver therefore I shouldn't be um trying to be one let's lean on the people who are the drivers get them to give their point of view and the information so rather than stressing myself out to have every single fact to hand yeah. the reason you bring a pundit in is because they've got the, the facts and the figures so yeah, yeah lean on who you can
3: uh, 100% <laughs> yeah, learn that. Yeah. Um, is there anyone you particularly look forward to interviewing
1: I think I do look forward to interviewing Lewis because a lot of people in the paddock go, oh, I just interviewed Lewis, he wasn't on great form, or he's a bit moody about what happened, or um, he's in really great spirits, so you think, brilliant, he's going to be excellent, but there's still a risk, he might not be with you, so it's kind of the adrenaline goes with him, and I guess you sort of no, not in a narcissistic way but you sort of think that clip could go far and wide Mm -hmm. because it's Lewis Hamilton so I want to be of of my best because if my questions are sloppy the journalists in the media centre are going to think why was she asking him that like come on get a bit more in there and like ask a bit more um so yes I always feel like I need to bring my a-game when I'm interviewing him and that's a, a thrill as a journalist um otherwise I'm trying to think of anyone I really like um hmm I did some, not so. Like Daniel Cardo is always the gift that keeps giving, basically, because <laughs> you know there'll be something yeah. extra. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, if it's not like sort of clippable or TikTokable, you sort of think, "Oh, I think I failed there. Huh? I think I failed." If he doesn't yeah. come out with something really um, zesty, but is he, yeah. is he just a generally,
3: as you see him on TV, just a, a seriously nice bloke?
1: Yes, yeah. lovely. I think, um, like all of them, buys a down, different animal, but. I think very jolly I think attention span of a gnat he says says I've got ants in my pants I can't sit still I remember him saying that to me once he's like I'd answer my pants at school I was like okay um so full of fun full of energy and, and I think in a way I, I imagine it's great that he's found Formula One because it gives him that focus and like you know focus all that energy into to being one of the best drivers in the world what about uh the one
3: who you you see coming and you're like oh God, no. No, I don't. I really. Anyone else want to take this one?
1: Um, there is a bit of a joke. Obviously, Kimi Raikkonen, who's now <laughs> not on the grid. I love interviewing him because I, again, I find it a challenge because you sort of. I try to make him not laugh. I'm not a genius uh, comedian at all. But I like the fact if you can kind of catch him unawares and get him to talk more than he thought he was going to in a way, it almost catches That's him out. Success. He's like, huh? Yeah. Um, so, yes, that. I find it fun, but some people are like, oh my God, I've got Kimmy, what's he... And I'm, you know, a feature length interview, be like, oh my gosh, where are we going to start with that one? But um, no, they're all, it's all a pleasure, isn't it? To interview these guys. They are top, top tier And sometimes
2: you're coming over to them at the end of the race if they've won driver of the day, right? I've (laughs) I've seen you talk about this a couple of times already. And obviously I've heard it and I'm Um, thinking that's that's a scary moment, isn't it? Because, you know, they might not be a very enthusiastic driver but yeah. also, you know, do they do they not get any kind of warning that you're coming to them?
1: They get a warning from their engineer. So I, the way it goes is I leave commentary, which is quite sad. I haven't seen, well, I think i maybe saw two race finishes all year something like that Well however many I was doing of the race um, the driver of the day interviews because I have to leave so production give me a, a call in my ear to say okay can you go and do um, the driver of the day now I'm like now? really now? and I always have to leave for the last couple oh, of laps so actually I've called the race start I think I've barely called race finishes really? yeah um, and so I go into this little booth at, at Biggin Hill and I mean the, the technology blows my mind I am in a booth in Biggin Hill in the UK talking to an engineer who's, I think, at track. I don't think they're back at the factories, but they then say, I say, well, um, Rosanna to Ferrari or Rosanna to Red Bull or Rosanna to Mercedes. Give them all a chance there. I'm um, <laughs> praying for Ferrari there. Um, <laughs> and uh, they'll go, uh, yes, Rosanna, go ahead. And I'm like, um, okay, uh, driver of the day is whoever. And they go, okay, we'll, we'll come to you shortly. I'm like, okay. So I just wait there. And the first one I did was Sebastian Vettel in Baku. Oh. And I need to up my engineer speak because he, the engineer was like, go ahead, Rosanna. Now, if I was saying that to a friend and I said, yeah, OK, g- go ahead, Harry, I'd be expecting you to start talking to me. And I, so I was like, OK, yes, please may I speak to Sebastian. And there was nothing. And I, was like, um, I was like, can anyone hear me? I was like calling to my director. I was like, Dean, I think there's a trouble going on here. I'm not sure. But like probably three minutes later. The mic is still open to, to Sebastian if you want to talk to him. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> why? D- go ahead. Why didn't you say just like speak to him or something? So um, that's why a lot of people complain. So like you were talking to him while he was in Park Fermi. I was like, you don't know the trials and tribulations that were going on behind the scenes. Um, so, yeah, so that was the interesting one when he was like, how would you get my number? But also it's quite a difficult setup that because the drivers are around the track at this point so the technology bit to carry that on you know it's talking to them in another country not actually just on a telephone line in the pit lane they're out in the car so the bouncing of the signal is I don't know how it works it blows my mind it blows my mind and um, the the problem is I don't know when to talk because I haven't got a GPS. Obviously. I don't know where they are. Where the engineers, know, don't talk to your driver when he's making an overtake or when he's coming into a critical part of the circuit. So I've got no idea. I'm just like happily like, hello, you're driver of the day. <laughs> and um, the other thing is we're to- I'm told to keep it quite short. So it's really a uh, Sebastian Vettel, congratulations, your driver of the day in Azerbaijan. Um, what a fantastic race, but tell me how it felt from the cockpit or something like that. I'm not really meant to go back again apart from thank you so much Sebastian and congratulations once again driver of the day for the Azerbaijan Grand Prix so if they say something great I want to pick up on it but I can't really so I sound a bit sort of not not totally in the interview but it's all part of the setup so again if anyone's listened and thought why didn't she ask him that's this why. off the back of it that's why um my hands are tied
2: There's always a myriad um, of things going on in the background yeah, no there. one knows the viewer never has any yeah. idea and on. you
1: can't be like just so you all know i
2: <laughs> do you also want three voices in your head speaking at the same time <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, well because we are i'm just looking at the time we are running out of time um so just looking ahead to to the season obviously this year um without getting tired just yet but obviously if you see, i had a chance to see some of the new cars that have been out on track as well. I think the Aston Martin was filming yeah. what do you make of the new cars first of all just looking at them cause obviously they look wildly different.
1: Yeah, very different. Um, I'm quite excited to see them up close. I saw the the hologram one back in July, you know, the sort of yeah, um, yeah. prototype one that Formula One released at the launch, which I very um, kindly, they asked me to host. Um, so that was quite fun seeing it up close, but I'm excited to see them up close. Now the Formula One teams have had a chance to kind of get their hands on them. Um, I did see the Aston Martin out on track, people talking about how high up the nose was. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see how the teams have approached it um, and yeah I'm quite excited to see what happens in Barcelona I'm kind of wanting to hear the the trials and tribulations that they go through because I think there's probably a reason why we're all not going to Barcelona let them have their teething issues and then we'll regroup in Bahrain for the official test Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's super exciting it's going to be a very interesting year now as Harry says we are rapidly running out of time, unfortunately. Sorry, because, I'm
1: a well, motor mouth. I've, we, I've spoken and spoken and spoken. No,
3: not, not <laughs> at all. We love a motor mouth. I mean, that's, that's you know, no, but it, we, done, we're, yeah. uh, we're, we're shortly to go down pitch side here and, and take a look around the, the ground. But before we do, there's a few questions we want to fire you. One before we come on to our final three. Um, do you have any hidden talents?
1: Um, nothing that jumps to mind, but as a six foot two human. High jump. No terrible can't this is all going to sound wrong but I can't seem to lift my legs up that high to get it over. Anyway, Whoa. let's cut that out. Um, get it over the ju- the, the bar. Good, yeah. But my <laughs> hidden talent fun. my hidden talent I think I'm quite good at getting things off the top shelf. That's um, what I've discovered recently. Yes. A lady that's asked good. me in the supermarket just the other week to get a bottle of wine down for her for Did the she? top. Yep. I asked if she'd like two, but she said no, just one. I was like, oh, good up, Okay, upsetting. fun party time with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there you go. That's my hidden talent. That's brilliant. We've yeah.
3: just, we've just had someone poke their head through the door. Did you see that's that? What wrap us up?
2: Doing their okay. whole, okay, uh, come on, yeah. Okay, right. Well, that's okay. enough of her. Let's yeah. put that on its head. <laughs> yes. Anything you crap at. Absolutely awful.
1: Well, at the moment, I'm trying to take up golf oh. and um, I am so bad. I think I've actually probably got quite a good swing because I've got sort of the, the levers, mm. but um, I managed to hit it uh, the other day and it came back into the little sort of swing suite I was in. Um, what? So, what? Yeah, I know. But I've also had the same in darts. I've once thrown the dart and it's gone down to my foot. <laughs> Hang on a minute.
3: So, yeah. So you've thrown the dart. I've thrown the dart out. The dart like you would has go exited the, board. the hand.
1: And it's gone to my toe. It's gone, gone yeah. towards toe. Yeah. There's no, t- something quite special yeah, about yeah.
3: that. I, I wouldn't play darts.
1: Yeah. No. So golf is a similar situation as we speak, but I'm right. going to work on it because that apparently is how you get better at everything, obviously, but especially in golf. I think time spent, it will reap the rewards. <laughs> Love man. it.
3: Yeah. Love it. Um, well, we'll come on to our final three before we get booted out of this box, which is brought to us by our friends at F1 Experiences. Um, Harry, do you want to kick off? Yes,
2: Rosanna. What has got you excited at the moment? I might have an idea, but go on.
1: (laughs) Does this have to be F1 related? No, not at all. (laughs) Anything. Okay. Um, Well, currently, right now, I am very excited about watching the football at Carrow Road as a guest of Lotus Cars. Can't really believe it. Here we are in the box. Um, But in general, in life, I've just moved to Norfolk. I'm really excited about getting to know my, as we say in the journalistic world, patch um, and just enjoy everything that the county has to offer so that's what I'm excited about and then I'm going to go F1 of course I'm excited about the 2022 yeah, F1 there we season we go. we got that yeah.
3: <laughs> we got got sound bite. yeah no. Nor- Norfolk is a, a beautiful county um, and, and it's sunny actually every time I come to Norfolk it usually rains because my mum lives here and every time I come it pours oh. with rain so it's nice to see the sun shining it's beautiful Um Favourite race destination
1: for any reason? Australia. I lived there when I was sort of 17, 18 for a year, just outside Melbourne. So when I go back for the race, I'm able to catch up with friends. And I just love that. Obviously, it's not the first race this year, but when it's been the first race of the season, it's that sort of back to school feel. Everyone catching up after the winter. And it's just gorgeous being in Melbourne. It's such a wonderful city. If you haven't been, you need to check it out. Cafe Good. Culture.
3: Cafe Culture, great casino.
1: Yes, yeah. Although it's quite dark if you're down there in the middle of the night, obviously in the middle of the night, but it's quite sort of a, an odd place to be at sort of two in the morning, yeah, yeah. those slot machines and stuff. But, you know, whatever floats your boat. I've been there. <laughs> that.
2: I've never been to Australia. It's on the list, though. <gasps> oh, yeah, get it on yeah. the, the list. Well, the last couple of years has been a bit difficult. but
1: <laughs> And <laughs> so now, very point. expensive. They'll take you around the world Ooh, to get to Melbourne. So. I know,
2: exactly. All right, go on. Final question then, go on, then. What are you scared of?
1: Hmm. So a little physical thing would be maybe I'm not a big fan of sort of snakes and spiders and things yeah, I like know. that. Don't really want one like creeping around me. Um, But in a more philosophical way, I'm probably a little bit scared of just running out of time. There seems to be so many brilliant things to do, uh, to see, people to meet, and I just hope that when I get to that stage in my my rocking chair when I'm 85, I'll feel like I've fitted as much as I can into this wonderful life that we're all living
3: (laughs) fantastic well uh, great answers thank you for your time today really appreciate it lovely to have you on the show Um, thank you to Lotus uh, Cars again for having us it is an incredible venue we're in here thank you to uh, norwich um and to our, our partners and don't forget uh we've got our discord channel now so please make sure you go and check that out i have no idea how you find it but um i'm sure it's on social <laughs> media on
2: discord and you'll find it
3: <laughs> <laughs> and uh join the conversation there for now rosanna thank you for joining us on the most mouth podcast
1: thank you so much come on the canaries <laughs>
2: <laughs> that could be timed really badly all the time this goes out so
1: <laughs> come on city <laughs> there we go covers yeah. both faces Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> Before you go, one final reminder to check out F1 Experiences, the official experience, hospitality and travel program of Formula 1. F1 Experiences is the closest you can get to the sport. Official ticket packages, which include the best race tickets, first-class hotels, travel and exclusive behind-the-scenes access across a Grand Prix weekend, F1 Experiences offer packages like no other. So, to book your F1 Experiences package, head online to F1Experiences.com and if you enter code MOTORMOUTH, you'll get $5 percent off too. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official, and Facebook just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans, and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too, so make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumors quicker don't forget to like subscribe and review and until next time you've been listening to the motormouth podcast